Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to kick off the show is Joanne Bagshaw. She's author of The Feminist Handbook. Here she is right now. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for calling in. I was really intrigued by your book. Um, I want to hear your backstory about how this all came about. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm thrilled here. I am a therapist uh, as well as a college professor, and um, I've been a feminist, I think, probably my whole life. And uh, what influenced me writing this book is experience, um, obviously being but also being a therapist. 20 years working with women and couples and men, of course. But over time, I've noticed um, that women in particular consistently question our reality and wonder something wrong with us uh, in ways that men really, rarely ever do. So, for instance, um, women question um, why they can't... um, birth a baby and go back to work full-time and not be exhausted and take care of the family and right. do all the emotional labor. Um, they wonder why, um, if they're in abusive relationships, why they suffer from depression, um, why they can't just let go of that sexual assault that happened 15 years ago, etc. Mm-hmm. And so one of my hopes for this book is that readers will begin to untangle um, sexist belief systems from their own belief systems and uh, walk away feeling empowered and empowered enough to join the feminist movement to make structural changes. You know, it's interesting when I was reading over your material and I was thinking back to my days um, waitressing um, in Boston. Oh, yeah. Okay, Uh er yeah, early 20s, and I share this with my daughters and how the guys would come in and they'd be like, hey, honey, come on, sweetheart, you know, and, and just looking me up and down and I'm like, no, I'm not your honey. See this? My name's Janine. Right. <laughs> you know, and I, I yes. was glad that I was strong enough to do that. And I think because I had earlier experiences where I did not speak up. Right. And, you know, one of the criticisms or complaints I hear is, like, what's wrong with telling women that they're attractive? What's the big deal? Don't women objectify men? And, sure, there's really nothing wrong. It's natural um, human condition to find other people attractive. But I think what's missing is that um, when women objectify that way, whether it's on the street or your waitressing, there's a sense of threat. We never really know um, how to respond, if we can respond, and what the outcome of that will be. So you were obviously lucky that your um, employer allowed you to stand up for yourself. In some cases, women don't have that. You didn't tell them. No, I didn't tell them. Right. So in some way, you you also didn't feel safe speaking up for yourself and not knowing what the consequence would be. And another example, I don't know back to the stuff, know what the fault going to be. Right, right. So uh, for people that don't understand really what the definition of being a feminist is, could you go into that? Sure. And I think this question, there's so many misconceptions about feminism. And the first is feminists to be to men. That is a misconception um, because feminism about women equal to men, which would we be equal to? all men have the access to and privilege. So in the book I talk about, for instance, um, that uh, working class men don't have the same privilege as educated, right? Um, and 
the research tells that uh, uneducated white men still earn more than educated black men. So if we were equal to men, which ones are we to choose to be to, and who do we have to oppress all the way? That's not what feminism is. Feminism is really about dismantling systems of oppression, intersecting systems of oppression, like supremacy, homophobia, etc. So we want to equalize playing fear for everyone. So how did you get involved in the feminist movement? One of my first jobs out of college was working for domestic violence agency and rape the center. Um, and there I was a speaker and I trained volunteer rape crisis counselors. Certainly when I was in college, I, I learned that I was a feminist. I learned what language was and did the feminist meeting. But when I took this first job, that was my first sort of um, applied way of working as a feminist. Um, and really understanding the role that power plays, how it affects women and women's safety and threat of safety. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to talk about, you have a chapter, if it's not, it, it's not feminism, if it's not intersectional. Correct. So intersectionality these days seems to be sort of a buzzword. Um, and really what it is, is an analysis of the ways that our differing identities shape our experience. So as a white woman, I have a certain experience of sexism. Mm-hmm. But black women also experience racism and sexism. Right. Black trans women experience racism, transphobia, and sexism. And so can't talk about, and this is the that the movement, made over years, we don't want to center a white woman's experience of sexism and then make changes in society that make white women feel safe, um, because that excludes a lot of other people and their experiences. So we want to make sure that we understand how the different ways of discrimination affect people individually and collectively. Mm-hmm. Did you always want to um, do this professionally? Was this something that kind of nagged at you? That's a great question, too. You know, I, I feel like my whole career has been, to some degree, uh, about social justice. So mm-hmm. starting off uh, working with um, victims of rape and domestic violence, um, I also was a tra- focused as a trauma therapist for many years, working primarily in my private practice with adults who are abused as children, uh, again, rape, sex domestic violence. I also teach time in a community college, um, and many of our students are experiencing racism and um, other forms of oppression. So um, it's it's really it's not something that I've done on the side. It's something that I've made um, my whole career uh, focused on, and it's given me at least a sense of meaning and purpose in the work that I do. That's amazing. It's it's like I've been your pathway that. Along the way, you've acquired different skills and knowledge, and um, and then as times change with Me Too and Time's Up, um, how has that impacted you? Well, um, so professionally, those movements have brought in clients coming in who haven't thought about their own experiences or tried to push them out of the way for many years, and it was uh, particularly that um, Brett Kavanaugh was very 
triggering for um, many of clients and new clients coming in mm-hmm. about their own experiences. Um, so uh, for sure, um, these issues have brought up uh, pain and trauma for a lot of people, but I also find that that is healing because people are talking about the experiences that they've had, and I discuss this um, feel first of all, I feel like if if all women told their their stories, <clears throat> their stories of trauma. I feel like the world would shut down for a day, yeah. just trying to process everything. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, and I, and and when we don't talk about our stories, when we don't tell them, we carry shame around mm-hmm. them. Um, so, I do feel like telling our stories to save people um, does help diminish some of that shame, but also spreading awareness about the experiences that we go through, and that these are urgent matters. You know, one out of five women are sexually assaulted in their lifetime. One out of three women are raped. That makes sexual violence inevitable for many women. Right. I remember watching this um, this video of this girl who walked down the streets of New York different different times. Maybe you've seen it. And yes, the catcalling video, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And also, someone said, imagine if women didn't have to worry about walking alone at night about wearing what they wanted to wear about just having this freedom that men have to some degree um mm-hmm. you know i can't even imagine like going jogging at night walking at night i mean i always think oh that's so dangerous you can't do that and that's just the world we live in absolutely and and it's not unusual and i say this to my husband is out walking and has his pods in and he may not necessarily be paying attention to his environment around him. You know, I wouldn't have that luxury, even living in a quote-unquote safe neighborhood um, where, you know, generally we feel safe, not a lot of burglaries or anything, um, but I always know where I am and, and who's around me. Like, that's a luxury to sort of tune out, um, something that, that men probably don't think about. But the constant threat of violence that women are told uh, that, is, that is real, but also we're conditioned to be afraid of, we, we alter our lifestyle to some degree, again, with what you're saying, uh, with what we're wearing or where we're right. going. Um, yeah. And, and all of us, you know, looking uh, in the back seat of the car, looking under the car in the park, all of these things that oh we just God. do naturally I know. that, yeah, men do not do. Those extra steps we have to take for our safety are exhausting. Yes. And if something happens, still blame. So well, why did you go out? Why, why did you need to go there? Why were you wearing that? Right. Did that really happen? You know, oh. didn't you really want that? <laughs> Right. So it's it's a lose lose situation. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, very interesting. And then sometimes when you when you speak up, um, I remember a time I was at a bar in Boston, and somebody was um, I was talking to this guy, and he started dancing next to me, and he was like literally grinding up next to me. He's like, "What's the matter with you? You're like what? <laughs> like I was from you know the prude planet. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> listen, yo, we don't dance like that, you know? And he thought I was so strange. And you have to set boundaries and open your mouth. And a lot of times people don't want to, they don't want to make waves, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely part of it. And, and I think that we would all like to speak out about this stuff. Um, and yet we're afraid because there could be some consequences. And this is sort of underlying I have a chapter in the book about mental health issues and stress 
and sexism because it is stressful. We're, we're living in a society where there's just threat of violence. Or we're not paid equally. We're, we're told we're not, you know, we can't live up to these um, unrealistic beauty standards. Um, and then we're also told that we should have nothing to complain about. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's gaslighting and it's crazy-making because mm-hmm. um, we have our experiences and they're real, but the culture is telling us that they're not. And so you are on the floor, some guy without your consent is rubbing up on you exactly. and with the expectation that you should want that. Right. And uh, he makes you seem like you're crazy or there's with you exactly um you know so what i say in the book it's not you it's the patriarchy and and that's one thing i really do want readers to walk away from is the sense that um there is nothing wrong with me um that these messages are from a patriarchal society from um society that is telling me that i'm not i'm I'm not equal i'm not yeah yeah it's it's really it's very interesting i i love um all the issues that you raise, because especially for younger girls, I mean, what do you think of the fact that, you know, teens are just so enmeshed in their phones and there's all this technology and apps that it's just, it's very scary time. Yeah, you know, what um, What concerns me about social media and, and teen use is uh, the unrealistic images um, mm-hmm. that teens are seeing about um, the way that bodies should look, um, the way that their appearance should be, the way that their lives should be perfect, um, but that's not realistic. Right. And, um, you know, so I do recommend for, for all of us is to cleanse your social media. Follow people, you know, that make you feel good about yourself, that um, don't, don't have unrealistic uh, body images or photoshopped and um, things that we can't live up to. So when you... you through your feed, you feel bad about yourself. Um, and to follow a diverse group of people with different races, ethnicity, and your own, and different body types, and, and really just normalize that we're not all supposed to look alike, not all supposed to have the same body. We're not all supposed to, you know, we're not like Stepford Wives, you know, back in the exactly. 70s, um, <laughs> that, you know, d- diversity is beautiful, and that we don't have to be perfect. Right. Were there women that influenced you? Um, in my own personal life, you mean? Yes. I would say um, one of the, the women that influenced me, my grandmother. This is my, nice. I was adopted, so this okay. is my um, pater- adopted paternal grandmother. Um, And uh, she influenced me. She was a teacher, a Mm -hmm. kindergarten teacher, and um, she brought me to the library um, when I was little. And I um, am still an avid reader, but when she brought me to the library for the first time, I loaded up uh, with as many books that I could take out, probably 10 or 15, and... um, I was hooked, you know, and she brought me weekly, and I still devour uh, books and articles um, daily as I can. I love that. What else would you like people to know about your book? I, uh, the, the other thing I, I think is really important to understand is so it's a handbook, and there are activities and exercises. So as a therapist, one of my strengths is that I ask really good questions. 
Um, and so I use that ability in the book to help readers to identify with feminism through their own experience. And the other thing that the questions do is that embeds the concept of intersectionality throughout the book. So as a white woman, I can't write a book about feminism that includes everyone just writing about my experience. So I wanted um, the readers to be able to be able to identify through their own experiences. So the questions really open up and make room for people's uh, lived experiences. Plus, if you, um, except for some of the questions that don't resonate with you, like, for example, one question is, are you able to, uh, to create the family that you desire? Mm-hmm. And um, for some people, that they might say, well, yeah, but that gets you thinking, well, who can't? And why not? Right. You know, and then the chapter will go into that a little bit. So it also educates readers about other experiences. Yeah. Uh, what are some issues that are facing women today that really stand out? Um, certainly uh, violence against women. Yes. An ongoing issue that impacts our quality of life. The wage gap, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, so for instance, there's lots of discussion about how strong the economy is. But if you ask low-income women, the economy is not working for them. Right. Um, so that is something that is a major issue. Um, so for sure, those two things, as well as our reproductive rights, um, are constantly being threatened. And <clears throat> I am a strong believer in reproductive justice, reproductive freedom, um, that we uh, need to be in control of our own bodies and make choices that are right for us. Yes. Where are you located, by the way? I'm uh, just outside Washington, D.C., in a little town called Gaithersburg in Maryland. Are there organizations or resources that um, you talk about in your book or that you can mention for people to get involved in doing other things? I have a whole chapter full of resources. Um, So, uh, you know, the the outcome of the book, ideally, is that readers um, aren't aren't putting so much energy and trying to figure out what's wrong with them and know that there's nothing wrong with you yes. um, and now have this energy to join the movement. And so I included a chapter of resources on every topic ever in the book, um, mental health, immigration issues, reproductive justice, racism, homophobia, etc., um, for people, readers to get started with. Fantastic. So where can people find out more about you? Please uh, find me on Instagram. My name is Joanne Bagshaw, and I also have a website, joannebagshaw.com, and sign up for my newsletter. Fantastic. Joanne, thank you so much for calling into the show. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Joanne Bagshaw, and if you missed any part of the conversation, all the info is on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And our conversation will be up within an hour after I wrap. I do want to mention uh, KUCI is on Twitter, KUCI-FM. We're on Instagram, KUCI-FM. We're on Facebook, KUCI 88.9. We're on Tumblr, KUCI.org. And if you're not familiar with our website, it has our complete list of music and public affairs programming, KUCI.org. And if you want to find out about being guests on my show in the coming year, I can't believe January is around the corner. Uh, All you have to do is send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, 
at KUCI.org, J-A-N-E-A-N-E at KUCI.org. We're going to take a little break, listen to some Best Coast with Feeling Okay, and then we'll be back. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.